What's up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. Just wanted to check in on a few items before the episode officially kicks off. Uh, quickly on the rundown, we have a great episode planned for you. Andrew Kalanya joins us to talk about Aaron Judge and his chase now for 62 after getting 61 and what that was like, plus the health and vibes of the Yankees heading into their playoff chase, as well as the Mets going into this huge series against the Braves, what they look like and how important this division is for them to grab and going into the playoffs. Then after that, we got Pat Boyle and Mark Shanlugan joining me for NFL Week 4 Picks. Coming off a strong winning week for the boys, trying to build off that and cash in more and more tickets every single week. So that's great fun. But there's two things that we didn't get to touch on during the episode. I just want to shout out here, one of which is a positive that I'll do quickly right now. Francisco Alvarez called up for the Mets. Very exciting moments for Mets fans that he's going to be here in time for the playoffs and possibly be able to make an impact late in this season and on into October. So we'll see what happens with him, but we did not know he was called up until after we finished recording. That's why if we talk about the Mets or when we talk about the Mets, he's not brought up. Now, on the negative note, we we were recording live when the Tua injury happened here, when Tua Tunga Viola was injured on that vicious play where he was swung down to the ground and hit his head and was all sorts of messed up on the ground. So when we t- mentioned Tua in passing and mentioned that game in passing, the game was live. We didn't see it live. Uh, so that's why it was not mentioned at all throughout the episode. All the best wishes to Tua. What a tough play to watch. And, you know, great news so far coming out. You know, moving all of his extremities, seemingly moving well. And he is being released from the hospital, or at least that's the plan, what I saw on my ESPN update. And he might even fly home tonight. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to touch any of that. I just hope Tua is okay as a person, a human, a great guy, obviously as well as a football player and a quarterback who we've all really enjoyed watching, especially this season. So all the best to Tua. Good luck to Francisco Alvarez. And to you guys, thank you as always for tuning in to Subway Sports Talk, Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're doing it. We appreciate you. Check in with us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. And uh, just drop some takes, man. I want to talk to you guys. I want to hear from you. So hit us up at Subway Sports Talk uh, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the whole nine. You know where to find us. You're hearing me say these words right now. But in regards to uh, our guy Tua, good luck, man. Get well soon. And uh, we hope to see you out there again and, and healthy. But all right. If you're looking for the NFL picks, you can fast forward to approximately 30 minutes But check the show notes for the specifics there. And baseball talk comes first. So that's the order. Baseball, then football. Check the show notes for more details. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan. Dan. Dan, clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST. I have a podcast app, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast. We appreciate you the same. Joining me now to talk baseball. It's been a little bit too long, and things have been happening in the world of New York baseball. Nothing jumps out in particular. You know, not like uh, anything record-breaking or, you know, nothing like that. Nothing's been that serious, I guess. But Andrew Kalanya is here to talk about some stuff. Andrew, what's up, my guy? I'm doing great, man. I'm ready to break down the the number one sports story in New York right now. So 
there's actually a, a pretty big controversy right now that uh, not a lot of people are talking about. The New York Rangers opened up a camp on uh, Sunday. So you know how the how people do at the beginning of school, where the kids have the signs up and says, you know, um, you know, my name is my name is Jack, and I'm going to preschool, and my teacher's name is this. So they did that with the with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know. Uh, you know, my name is Mika Zibanejad. My number is this. I've been in the league for X years, and my best friend on the team is. And people are writing down all the team names. So Mika Zibanejad put Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider put Mika Zibanejad. But the controversy here is um, Keandre Miller, one of their star, uh, star defensemen, young star defensemen. He put uh, Alexi Lafreniere, who um, again former number one overall draft pick by the Rangers. Alexi Lafreniere did not put. Keandre Miller. As oh a my! Friend. Yeah, it's a big, big controversy. And uh, he put uh, another defenseman, not it, which is uh, it was a it was a big stir up in uh, on Rangers Twitter. And I'm wow. ready to break it all down, see what it all means for the team chemistry going into the year, see if they can uh, <laughs> Rangers can make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, where do you get your thoughts on that? Every de- this is my thoughts on that. Every defender should have put Shesterkin. And just mm-hmm. should have put all my defenders are my best friends. It's like a quarterback offensive line situation where yeah. the quarterback always buys the nice gifts for the old lineman and they take care of them, protect them. That's what mm-hmm. the, they need too. Uh, Shesterkin should be everybody's best friend, making mm-hmm. up for all their mistakes, all their shortcomings. And he should say, yeah, I love every defenseman equally and they all help me look so good. That, that should have mm-hmm. been. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I got to take, I got to take on everything, Andrew. I'm ready to get takes off. I can't. I can't throw your curveballs anymore, man. You're too. You're you're ready for them. Well, I learned who Shesterkin was last year, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I do want to shout out this shirt that I'm wearing. If you're watching on YouTube, pretty fire shirt right here. Trying to get it out of the microphone. Crash Team Racing. If you're familiar with this, one of the greater games of the PlayStation era. Found this shirt. TJ Maxx, seven ninety nine. How could I not, Drew? How could I not? Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean. Crash Racing, obviously, second to Mario Kart, but still solid for the PlayStation 1. You know, not not everybody had a Nintendo 64, you know? Not everybody did, and some people had to settle for Crash Team Racing. And I wouldn't call it much of a settle. I would call it uh, a wonderful experience had by all. That's what I would call it. Uh, but anyways, let's get to baseball. Let's start talking about baseball. And obviously, I made the joke beforehand about nothing record-breaking going on, nothing crazy, not like anything specific is happening. Of course, there's something specific happening. Of course, there's something record-breaking happening. And uh, it happened just two nights ago now, by the time this podcast came out, Aaron Judge, 61st home run. Drew, you might have been doing some mental gymnastics. You might have been trying to do some reverse psychology, some mental hedging, but you did not think, these are your words, you did not think Aaron Judge was going to get to 61 after a week or so of being stuck on number 60, and then he did it. He finally hit that rocket. It went into the bullpen, and that man literally dropped the bag when he dropped that ball. Uh, and, and history was made 61 for Aaron judge. How were you feeling watching that game the other night? And now that he's tied with old Roger Maris. And I would have went over the fence for that. If that was me, I'm, go go, I'm, I'm, go I'm going that 15 foot drop. If I break an arm, that's worth a six figure baseball to me. Like I'll, I'll <laughs> someone crack my leg right now for, for six figures. Easy, easy. That's easy money. But um, yeah, no, I honestly didn't think he was going to do because the way that the way that opposing pitchers are are throwing to him, they're not, you know, they're throwing maybe one pitch for him to hit in that bat. And Judge is just he's either late because he was, you know, obviously he's pressing a little bit because um, you know he's a really a team player. So he's kind of I kind of get uh, 
in the same vein as the Jeter doc. I don't know if you watched that, Pete, but Pete, uh, Jeter was like when he was going for 3,000 hits, you know, it took him a little while to get to it because he wasn't used to, you know, when it's about the team, he said that he felt good. But when the, the spotlight was on him as an individual and his individual stats, he, that's when he kind of started pressing. So I assume it was kind of like the same vein with Judge. And, you know, he was very content to take his walks um, when pitchers weren't giving anything, wasn't expanding the zone. So that's why, honestly, I didn't think he was going to get it. But, you know, the pitcher, honestly, you know, made a mistake and left a hanging breaking ball in there and he launched it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, contrary takes on Twitter about, like, congratulations on Aaron Judge being, like, the number se- – having the seventh most home runs in uh in a single season i'm just like you know just like drink some water man if you have that like that much salt you're gonna have kidney stones and (laughs) uh, like take it easy let let people enjoy things okay yeah if you wanted to really go contrarian the only thing that has any validity is he didn't break the record yet he tied the Mm. record right like that is something that is tangible makes sense and there's no steroids involved so it's Mm. like okay like yeah yo he tied the record great Right. I'm clapping. Break mm-hmm. the record. Right. That's the only contrarian take that has any validity to me. Right. Yeah. This whole thing with with Bonds and McGuire and Sosa a couple times there. I get it. Like amazing seasons. They are fantastic mm-hmm. hitters. I think they should all be in the Hall of Fame. Whatever. We're not going to discuss that here. But if you want to say that Aaron Judge is seventh, like, let's just be honest here. Right. It, it's it's such a different it's- thing. It's not that everybody who's doing that is trying to get a rise. They're trying to get clicks. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get retweets, trying to get some some juice uh, flowing up in the comments there with Yankee fans coming in all mad. And every mm-hmm. time a Yankee fan comes in mad on one of those comments, that doing person, what you want. Yeah. yeah, they just want again. So mm-hmm. it's stupid. I like to make the jokes to Alec and you just to make fun of it. You know, I said, oh, congrats. Maybe he'll break the record this season, too. You know, but I'm just joking. Like, incredible season by Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. On top of the home runs, what a testament to that man as a disciplined, disciplined hitter in the world of baseball. He easily could have been swinging out of his shoes, swinging at bad pitches to keep at-bats alive. And no, he didn't do it. He took his hits. He took his walks. It was incredible, honestly. Yeah. And that shows how much of a complete hitter he is and why he is in line possibly for a triple crown. I mean, it's unbelievable that these two things are coming together combined here. And there's not much to say other than just tipping your cap and saying, wow, this is truly one of the best seasons in MLB history. And and that's it. That should be the only talked about in that regard. If you want to say, oh, he didn't break the home run record yet. Well, guess what? Roger Maris didn't bat that high and win the triple crown possibly. So let's everyone slow their roll and appreciate Aaron judge's greatness. Yeah. And to kind of put it into um, perspective and some added context to this conversation, you know, the amount of people who hit 60 home runs in a season from 1927 to 1997, two people, two people. Then from 1998 to 2002, six people hit 60 home runs from 2002 to 2022. One guy, one guy, Aaron Judge. That's it. Only That's guy to hit sixty home runs since twenty since two thousand and two. So put that put, exactly. So you might want to you're not gonna say, oh, it's not seventy home runs, it's not the record, but this is still an absolute incredible achievement by you know, and and we saw it from him when he came up as a rookie. He hit 50, 52 home runs as a rookie. 
you know, this is the absolute peak of who Aaron Judge is as a as a baseball player. Um, I don't want to get put the cart too far ahead of the horse and start talking about his free agency. I just wanted to um, enjoy the moment uh, and and the special player and the special season that he has um, because I don't think this is something that you know it's going to be very hard to see again without some kind of uh, you know something else going on in the background for for baseball. So. You know, everyone should really be, you know, not just Yankee fans, but baseball fans everywhere should be just soaking in this really special moment and this special time. And then next year, Aaron Judge and his teammate Pete Alonso can combine for 110 <laughs> home runs and break the record for two teammates to ever do the most. Does that sound right? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say something there. I had to do something mean. For one mm-hmm. uh, but let's talk about the Yankees because mm-hmm. as great as it's been to watch this judge uh, chase of the record, which he's still on, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. it has been really good to watch the Yankees play baseball. I mean, they have won. I'm sorry. They've only lost one game in the past, what, 13? So they're 12. Mm-hmm. Is that right? No, my math is wrong there. One in the last 10, I think. And, and, and that's awesome that they're playing so good right now. Yeah, they played the Pirates. They swept the Red Sox four. They beat the Blue Jays two out of three. They're playing good baseball right now, and there's a reason to feel that excitement that the Yankee fans felt earlier in the year, and there's a reason to now go into the playoffs with some confidence and through all that turmoil where they were not playing Yankee standard baseball and losing more games than they should have, it was easy to say, this is bad, it's going downhill, we're not going to be a true World Series contender. But now, Drew, I imagine you have to be feeling on the flip side of that again, back to World Series contender status. So, what is the general vibe and, and health of this team now heading on the very final stretch going into the playoffs? You know, they're, they're on the offensive side that seems to be, you know, some guys starting to pick it up. Harrison Bader has been a surprising addition from him coming back. I wasn't really expecting much from him offensively, but he's been kind of a spark plug towards the bottom third of the order. And Glaber Torres has really picked it up. He had one of the, Worst August in all of baseball, I think his WRC plus was like 24, like not 124, just 24. So that was that's uh that's 76 percent worse than a league average or a replacement level hitter. So that's how bad he was. But he seemed to turn around and he's uh, back to his first half self. So that's a really big addition. I mean, John Carl Stanton's not looking well at all, but you know that he can kind of turn it on especially the last two playoffs, he's been, you know, red hot. So I'm not too, too worried about him. Um, What I will say is the bullpen is a little more, is a lot more shaky than um, I'm accustomed to uh, it being as a Yankees fan. So, you know, they don't really have a set closer right now. Clay Holmes, he, you know, after one of the best first halves in, you know, for any reliever, um, he just kind of lost his control or the ability to, to locate the ball. So uh, you're not really too sure which version of him you're going to get out on night, night in and night out bases. Mechanics are good. Then he's the dominant clay Holmes. If it's not, then he's going to walk the ballpark and then give up hard hits. Um, you know, Chapman, there's been, you know, echoes of him being designated for assignment, which I don't really buy, especially with like a week and a half left in the season. You know, he, a he can't really help anybody else on a playoff roster because that cutoff was beginning of September, and you know, um, 
you know, there still might be uh, an instance where he could you know, maybe not be closing, but be able to get you decent outs in like fifth, sixth, seventh inning of the playoffs. So and there's not really anyone really to replace him. You know, it's either um, who's the guy they tra- who's the guy they trade for the Castro who's coming back or uh, Alvin Abreu. So like those aren't really better options than you know what uh, Chapman can give you. So um, you know, Efrost is back. He looked pretty good. Trevino's looked pretty good. Um, but again, there's not really that dominant, uh, closer at the end of the game, which Yankee fans are very, uh, used to having now. So, um, out, out of offense and, and pitching, I would say the relievers are really my biggest concern for the last, you know, couple, last week and a half. So I hope that, uh, Boone can get guys in there. Maybe they can straighten them out and hopefully, uh, they'll get them ready for, for postseason ball. And, and Chapman's looked a little bit better. Like you just explained. Yeah. And, and he's a guy with experience. So that is something that you do want. There's no point to get rid of him. I mean, it's not like you have some sort of better option. Like you said, like that you're going to pull somebody up and put him into high leverage situations that you're going to feel so much better about than Chapman. You might as well have him there. All of a sudden you throw him against a lefty in the sixth inning and, and he looks great. And you're like, wow, why are we thinking about getting rid of this guy? Like he has a chance to be a very, very impactful player for the Yankees in the postseason. So I, I I'm with you. That's a, a little crazy to me. And just to reiterate what you were talking about with the offense coming around in the last 15 days, they have four players here, drew over mm-hmm. a 1000 OPS four players. That's really freaking good. That means a lot of people are clicking on all cylinders here. You know, Hicks has only played eight games in that, in that stretch, but still, you know, the fact Who that are the other two players besides Glaber and judge uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Cabrera, he's been, he's been a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. 14 hits in the last 12 games, uh, just doing really well. He's struck and struck out 11 times, but all good. He's stolen a couple bags. He's hitting 341 in those last 15 days. It's something that you needed desperately. And we talked about it when, um, the young guys, Peraza and Cabrera came up that they were bringing some sort of just energetic spark, even if it wasn't particular statistical improvements at the Mm -hmm. time. Well, now it is statistical improvements and Cabrera is a real player in this, in this lineup and, and looking at him into the playoff rotation or into the lineup there, it's a nice little piece to have to, uh, to mess around with. Especially given the fact that Ben and won't be back until at least the ALCS and same with Carpenter. So, um, you know, Carpenter might be able to make, they said they might be able to make it back for the last series of the year, but again, you know, or, or eight, eight, nine at bats enough for you to feel comfortable giving him a starting spot in the postseason. I'm not sure. So um, Cabrera has been very much a godsend and to be able to, you know, handle the outfield, handle left field in Yankee Stadium, you know, a lot better than I expected him to. So, you know, props on props on him on uh, putting himself in a, in a great position to be not only a big part of this team now, but, you know, maybe, you know, he's the starting left fielder come you know, 2023. Well, who knows? Yeah. And that's uh pretty much wraps it up on the Yankees. Any other word thoughts yeah. on the Yanks before we move to the Mets real quick? No, let's, let's talk about the Mets. So let's talk about those Metsies then drew. And uh, it's been flying under the radar in some fans eyes um, just because of so much going on. Even Mets fans are paying attention to the judge stuff. Obviously it's just a baseball moment in time. Uh, football started up, all that stuff's going on. Mets still playing solid baseball, one seven out of 10, and you can't really complain about that. They currently on this off night of Thursday have a one game lead on the Braves and tomorrow starts the three game set at Atlanta, which so many people are pegging as 
the season, right? Which this is going to make or break the Mets actually winning the division. Absolutely huge that they have the one game up to start off this series and absolutely huge that they have the Nationals for a three-game set after the Braves to, to close out the season. Right now to start this series, they have DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett set up on the hump to go against Max Fried, um, Wright, and Charlie Morton. So it's going to be a doozy of a series, probably the most exciting series a regular season could ask for. Uh, so what is your take right now on the Mets playing good baseball but not able to fully pull away from the Braves who are also just playing at a fantastic pace? Well, well, if you look at the best records since, I think, August, I think, like, the Mets are top three, but I think the Braves are, are like, a game ahead of them since, like, since the beginning of August. But I really like the Mets' decision to move up to Grom to the Friday night start because, uh, obviously, with the hurricane coming in, who knows if uh, Saturday and Sunday is going to be able to, you know, be played. So you might as well make sure that your ace of aces is out there on the mound and able to, you know, contribute. So, yeah, this is this this is exactly what you want. Maybe not exactly what you want as a Met fan, but I feel like as a baseball fan, I feel like that this is this is as exciting as a non postseason uh, series gets. So I'm I'm super excited for it. I'm sure Mets fans want to throw up at the moment, but um, you know, it's good to have. It's good to be in it. It's good. It's better this than what the Mets were doing at this time last year. So um, I think you should take the wins as as where you can get them. That's exactly what I've been telling myself going into this series. I mean, you have a team with 97 wins with six games remaining on the schedule. No team in the league outside of probably the Dodgers would be disappointed with that, right? Like if the Dodgers, they're already at 100. They're out here. They're doing their thing. It is what it is. Every other team in the league would be happy to, to end the season with 97 wins. Right now, the Mets are there. They did their job for this entire season. You can go back to uh, 40 different games where they could have, should have did this or could have, should have done that. But it doesn't matter. They've been playing awesome baseball the entire mm-hmm. season, and yeah. they're still playing good baseball, even if it doesn't feel great night in, night out, which is something we talked about uh, recently, or maybe I covered it with Pat a couple weeks ago, where mm-hmm. you know it's night to night. We talk about in the NFL, oh, what a difference a week makes. With the Mets, it's, oh, what a different a day makes. They play good mm-hmm. one game. Oh, they're back. They're going to win the division. They lose the next game and the Braves win. It's like, oh my God, this team's offense is a disaster. Can't trust them. They can't score. Right. And that's how quick it's been for the Mets. But it's so important to remember that this season's a huge success to this point already because of 97. They can easily get to 100 wins here and and still not win the division. Like it's insane. They can lose two uh, to the Braves, win one, get to 98, go two out of three from Washington. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Braves sweep their final series and they lose the division and they have a hundred wins. It happens. It's baseball. And they're in a really good division. So you can't beat yourself up too much, but now they're one of the best teams. They're one of the best teams in baseball. Right. You know, hard stop. They're one of the best teams in baseball. So, um, you know, the Braves are also one of the best teams in baseball. And, and I will say that I think you definitely want to win obviously obvious statement alert, but you definitely want to win the division just, you know, obviously just to put that statement down that, you know, show the Braves that you, you know, you're not, you're not messing around, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, you know, that team, that, that wildcard team is going to be in the bracket with uh, the Dodgers, whoever, whoever doesn't win this division will have to win the wild card and then play the Dodgers in the, in the ALDS. So, in, 
you know, you want to stave off playing the Dodgers as long as long as humanly possible and see if some other team can get lucky and possibly knock them out. You don't want to play the Dodgers in the ALDS. So I think it's extra important um, for the Mets to hold on and win the series. And they put their three best pitchers on the mound. You know, that's the, that's exactly the position you want to be in going into the series, having your, your putting your best chips on, on the board and let's see what happens. So uh, I'm very excited to uh, to tune in this weekend. So I'll definitely be watching the Mets more than I'll be watching the Yankees, especially if Judge gets uh, 62. So once he gets 62, there's not you know he's not getting to 70 or 73. So it doesn't really matter at that point. Right. And, and just to go through some of the stuff for the Mets here over the past 15 days, Lindor has been on a heater, 18 hits in the last 12 games. Uh, Pete Alonso, five home runs in the last 15 games. Um, and Daniel Vogelbach, who hasn't played every day, but is hitting the ball really well when he is in the lineup. And he's just been what a great addition for them at the deadline mm-hmm. and how he's been stabilizing that position of designated hitter when he's out there. Um, and he's, he's been really good. Escobar also coming around, obviously mm-hmm. the team on his back for that win against the Marlins yep. two nights ago. What an amazing performance by him and a win that would have, or I should say a loss that would have really crushed the spirits of fans. Mm-hmm. I was actually recording a podcast during that game, so I wasn't watching. But then I checked Twitter afterwards, and when you go on Twitter on your phone, it doesn't give you the timeline order unless you select it. So I'm seeing mm-hmm. top tweets, and I'm seeing everyone crush the Mets. Mm-hmm. Wow, this team is lifeless. What a terrible loss this is going to be. This is pathetic. Like, How can you go down like this against the Marlins? And then all of a sudden, Escobar hits a home run, gets an RBI, hits the walk-off RBI, and it's – all of a sudden now great gritty win mm. for the Mets and they're back on top of the division by one game. So vibes are okay. You know, vibes mm-hmm. are good. Buck Showalter has this team locked in going in the right direction. It's something we've said all year about Buck Showalter and it hasn't changed. So I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling like relatively confident. I don't want to say I'm expecting the Mets to go in and dominate mm-hmm. the Braves because the Braves are really freaking good as you explained. So yeah. it's reason to be confident enough but reason enough to be weary a little bit too, and just see how this plays out. Uh, but what a season so far with the Mets. Yeah. As long as Darren Ruff's not in the lineup, I feel like you got to yeah. feel pretty good. He's been God awful. He's been rough. Right. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> good night, everybody. I didn't mean that. I didn't. I, should, I, should I not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, hey, dude, I'm the one with the dad jokes. I'm the I'm the father here, and you're you're busting out dad jokes left and right, sir. It's, it's what I do when a pun, the worst pun or the best pun, arrive in my mind. It must be stated out loud. It's something that I cannot control. I blame mm-hmm. probably ADHD. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to blame it, but that's that's what I'm going with here. So that's it. You got any other notes though for for Mets, Yankees, or baseball in general before we say goodbye? No, that just again, like I said before, just if you're if you're trying to poo poo the whole judge thing, just just stop what you're doing. Enjoy history. Enjoy. And again, um, you know, we didn't even talk about Albert Pujols getting 700 home runs himself. And that's that's an incredible uh, season he had and the swan song he had after looking just cooked the last like seven years with the Angels comes back to St. Louis. He's just like, you know, F it. I'm going to. I'm going to, you know, turn it back to 2005 and, and get, got to 700. So that's an incredible achievement on its own. It's a very just a special overall season for baseball fans. And, um, you know, it's uh, everyone wants to say baseball is dying, but I think this is 
been one of the best seasons in you know in my lifetime so i'm very i'm very happy and very fortunate to be able to witness it beautiful 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 all right drew thank you so much we'll talk baseball obviously uh when the season starts to wrap up and we'll preview the playoff for the mets and the yankees and i cannot freaking wait for some october baseball where i get to be fully involved as a mets fan and not just watch as a salty guy kind of rooting for the your yankees kind of not but kind of am, but kind of not, you know? So now I got my own team to worry about. I don't have to stress myself out about hoping the Yankees win for New York and excitement and hoping they lose. So you guys can all shut up and stop crying or keep crying, <laughs> whatever it is. It doesn't matter. All right, Drew. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, cheers. See ya. So we just finished up the baseball talk and now it's time to get into that NFL action because it's in full swing, especially over at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. And new customers, yes, new customers, I'm looking at you, can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. And on top of that, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, I'm looking at the Broncos-Raiders matchup here for a same-game parlay. I'm thinking if you get the Broncos spread, alternate spread up to plus 8.5, Devontae Adams, anytime touchdown scorer. Then you throw in Russell Wilson, one-plus passing touchdowns. Derek Carr, two-plus passing touchdowns. You get plus 290, and I feel wonderful about that. Great legs all around with a great opportunity to cash in and step that same game parlay up and uh, hit that thing. To make things even sweeter, though, you can throw down stepped-up same game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Joining me as they will every week until the Super Bowl is over for NFL picks, none other than PBS. That's Pete. That's Boyle. That's Shen. So, Pat Boyle, my guy, what is up with you heading into week four? What's up, Petey? Let's go, man. We got basically 15 hours of football coming up on Sunday. We got the London game, 1 o'clock hour, 4 o'clock hour. Sunday night, within in the eye of Hurricane Ian, we're going to have Brady versus Mahomes, Chiefs, Bucks. Oh, I cannot wait. Let's get it cooking. Wonderful slate of football does not always mean a wonderful slate of bets. That's something that I kind of looked at when I was going through my picks, getting ready for this episode here. I didn't feel as quickly confident as I did last week. Now, last week happened to work out. That doesn't mean this week will not. Another person whose week worked out last week, Mark Shenlugan, three and two last week, but I don't want to talk about that yet. I want to give you the floor. I was not a good partner. Not a good podcast partner, or maybe I was. It depends how you look at it. Because I came at you on our episode on Wednesday, and you weren't there to defend yourself. So, um, so Pat, shit. Mark, what do you have to say for yourself after you heard what I did coming at you the other day? Uh, you know what, Pete? I heard heard a couple of days ago. Honestly, it's kind of simmered down already. You know, I heard you say, you know, Mark thinks he should be 15-0. and 0, And, hey, you know what? You're not wrong. I should be. So, you know what? Let's keep the same energy. We're going to come back this week. I think I'm, what, six and nine through three weeks. We got some work to do. And work will be done. That's right. So, I like your I like where your head's at. If maybe you responded to me on Wednesday afternoon, maybe a little more vitriol. Oh, there was. 
There was. I don't know if Pat's got the recording or not, but there was. Oh, oh, there's a recording. Now we're really getting If there was, if he did record me, I was like, wow, he's really taking pot shots while I'm not there to defend myself. But Oh, wow. Was this a phone call? Are you guys leaving each other voice memos? Now I need to know. Well, me and Pat communicate by voice memo, phone call, walkie-talkie, telepathy. At this point, you name it, it's it's been done. So Wow. Okay. I kind of wanted to hear some of the vitriol then, if I'm being honest. Because you know what? I came at you. I when you weren't there, I said, you know, Mark, oh, in his eyes, he should be 15 and oh. I was definitely taking a shot. I'm gonna admit that. I'm not gonna pretend like I wasn't taking a shot. I said it right there that I did. Uh so I I kind of want to hear some of the negativity. What where where did I go wrong or or how did I miss honestly? I was just more upset that I wasn't there to say anything back. I found it funny. You know, it's the kind of energy I like, the little zingers there back and forth. And like I said, at the end of the day, Pete, you're not wrong. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that's real there is to it. It is what it is. And uh, you're, I, I made a joke, but also it is Shen Lugan versus kickers all through 2022. Up until we turn the clock to playoffs in 2023, it'll be Shen Lugan versus kickers until further notice. Uh, and, and now perhaps the kickers will finally start flipping in your favor. So let's get into our picks now that we move past that. Right now on the quick recap, we got Pete Kennedy, that's me, eight and seven overall, coming off a four and one week. A Pat Boyle at five and ten overall, coming off a two and three week, and Mark Shen Lugan, six and nine overall, off a winning three and two week. So I think Pat, I think you went first last time. Shen, you went first in weeks past. So why don't I go first here to switch up uh the order here? And I'll go with my first pick of the day. For week four, I'm going Lions minus four home versus the Seattle Seahawks. This is one of the ones that uh, it moved quite a bit. It opened up at six. It went down to four. I don't particularly get why. The Lions have shown one thing very specifically this year is that they can move the crap out of the football. And they've actually been doing a decent job putting points on the board consistently, even if their defense is giving it up as well. I don't think the Seattle Seahawks can keep up with the Detroit Lions. I don't think they can score with them, which is a crazy thing to say when we're talking about a quarterback battle of Jared Goff versus Geno Smith. But something with this Lions offense, I don't really care that DeAndre Swift is out. Jamal Williams is a fantastic replacement there. He's obviously going to be in a bunch of fantasy lineups this week. Amon Ra St. Brown is expected to play and looking all right. So that's really all you need to hear. This Lions team has been, been battling with better teams. They're playing a lesser team. I think the Seahawks are a bottom five team in the NFL. Lions are middle of the pack. Minus four, I like it more than enough to take it there. And you know what? I'm not going to be discouraged by the line moving down in the Seahawks' favor. I'm going to look at that as a couple extra points that I'm grabbing here at minus four. I probably would have, I might have been scared away at minus six, but I like it either way. So Lions minus four, home against the Seahawks. That's my first pick. And uh, I guess we didn't decide who goes second. Who wants to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it over, Pete. So... First pick for the six and nine Mark Shinlugians. Let's go with a two-game teaser. We're going to go leg one Dallas Cowboys plus four and a half against the Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders this week. I think this is actually a prime trap spot here for the Cowboys. They're getting a lot of love. Cooper Rush, his name's getting in the uh, quarterback battle with uh, Dak Prescott when he comes back. Um Honestly, I want Dallas getting four and a half here. I don't trust them to win straight up in this one as part of a as part of a two legger. Like I said, I think they're prime here for a letdown. Um, however, I do think that if the uh, 
commanders come in and win this game, it won't be by anything more than three to four points. So I feel pretty safe with Dallas plus the four and a half, especially with the type of football they're playing right now where they're kind of ground and pound. So that's leg one. Leg two, give me the Chicago Bears plus seven and a half against the New York Giants. Um, we just saw this matchup last year. It did not end well for the New York football Giants. Um, and based on what you saw last week against Dallas or from their offense at any point this season, what inspires you to think the New York Giants can beat a team by more than eight points or more in this spot against the Bears? Um, I feel very safe with Justin Fields and co. in this game, even though the game is going to be played in MetLife. So Dallas plus four and a half and the Chicago Bears plus seven and a half. Even odds. For wow. Even odds. Not what I expected. Very nice. Plus 100. Wonderful stuff there. I'll actually be at the Giants game this Sunday with some old pals of ours, Pat Roberts, Dave Rondesco, a.k.a. Dad. Uh, we'll be there live in the mix. I'm excited for a low-scoring, crappy game in the rain where the Bears somehow win 12-10. to 10. There you go. <laughs> Pat Boyle, what's your first pick? So, so it is confirmed. Daddy will be home. Daddy Desco, huh? That is correct. He will be in the building. Give him my best hello, Broberts as well. Um, and let's go pick one right there with you, Mark, in the sense that the Giants can't blow anybody out. And that offensive line is a telltale sign that this team is once again going to have a lot of trouble putting up points. Now you factor in the fact that Sterling Shepard's out for the season. I still have no idea what the hell is going on with Kadarius Tony. Uh, for the better part of four hours on my show on the fan that I filled in for Sal on, on early Tuesday morning after the Giants game, I said either this coaching staff just completely hates him um, or this or this injury or he's milking this injury because there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the field. So until he gets his ass on the field and plays, this Giants offense is also limited. The offensive line is terrible, especially on the interior and the Chicago Bears defense in the front seven isn't what it, was, what it used to be when they had Khalil Mack, but they're still pretty damn good. And as long as Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn are playing, they're going to get to Daniel Jones. They're going to make life very difficult. So let's cook up. I know, Pete, we talked about it on the midweek pod. You know, I, I, maybe I'm going to start getting away from the same game parlay. Well, here I am once again. Just like you have an infatuation, you have a drug with the Minnesota Vikings. I have a drug with the same game parlay. Bears plus seven and a half, under 48 and a half. I mean, I don't know anybody that's betting the over in this game straight up or teasing it. I don't know how you can expect either of these teams to put up points. I mean, Justin Fields has completed 23 passes this year through three games. Not, not attempts, uh, completions. Attempts would be even worse. 23 completions through three games. They cannot throw the ball. Darnell Mooney, who everybody thought was going to be, you know, the big number one receiver for them this year, he's not doing anything. The connection with Cole Komet has dropped off. Their offensive line is terrible as well. And this defense, this Giants defense under Wink Martindale has come to play week in and week out. So I expect this over-under probably to be right around what it is, 39, maybe even less. Um, but again, the Giants can't blow anybody out. So the fact that they're going to have a lot of trouble throwing the football, you can't rely on Saquon Barkley, 25, 30 touches a game. It's unsustainable. Um, and the Chicago Bears can run the ball as well, which is why I have confidence in them because we saw what the Cowboys did to the Giants last week. The linebackers, again, I ripped the organization for getting rid of Blake Martinez, who was an incredible linebacker for them coming off that injury. I mean, they're going with Micah McFadden, Tay Crowder, and Austin Calitro as their middle linebackers. Those guys can't tackle anybody. So Pollard and Elliott were getting to the second level and bursting through that point of contact last week. I expect 
Montgomery to have the same amount of success, even if he doesn't play. I know he's a little banged up. Khalil Herbert's going to have a big day too, no matter who's running the rock. So Bears plus seven and a half, under 48 and a half, minus 115 odds. Back quickly to go over that because you're right. We just talked about this the other day. What we kind of came to as a conclusion, because we kind of talked through our mindset and what we were thinking about, it was not to reach on the same game parlay. It is to find a, a, a side and a total that you already have a lean on and then put it together. And clearly you have that. <laughs> like, can you imagine the Bears and Giants combining for 50 points? Like, can you even fathom it? Like, that means that either one team has to go off for like 40, which is impossible, or it means it's going to be 30 to 27. And that's impossible as well. Like, that ain't happening. So this one feels really good. And uh, I like both you and Shen saying, how the heck Giants win by eight? And we said, you know, like the only reason, the only way this, the over hits here, especially the teased over, the only way that gets to 49 points is if Daniel Jones and Justin Fields throw like two pick sixes. So a combined, like if they give the defense 14 points, if there's special teams blunders, if teams, if they're starting with short fields the entire way, like there's going to be like 16 punts in this game. It's going to be like that Sunday night football game between the 49ers and the Broncos. Uh, it's There's not going to be a lot of offense. Yeah, I can't, I can't really imagine, especially it's going to be rainy possibly at MetLife. Like the passing game that's already bad is going to be going to be worse. All right, I'll move on to my second pick. I'm going with the teaser here of sorts, more of a parlay. I guess it's not a straight up six point, a little bit more finagling with the line. So I'm pushing the chargers down from minus five to money line and taking the Jaguars from plus six and a half up to 14 and a half. That's minus 119 odds just inside minus 120 on DraftKings. And this one's kind of simple to me. The Chargers have to beat the Texans. The five is okay. It kind of makes me feel a little bit weird, a little bit woozy that something stupid could happen. And the Chargers do one of the Chargers things where, you know, all of a sudden they're up by three with a minute left against the freaking Houston Texans. I don't expect that to happen, but putting these two things together made me feel really good. I had leans on the Chargers minus five. I had a lean on the Jaguars plus six and a half. Why not bolster those odds? a bunch on both sides. The Chargers have to come back after the bad, bad performance last week against the Jaguars. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm sorry, the Jaguars? Was that two weeks ago? No, that was last week, right? Yeah. You're good. Yeah, Chargers just lost to the Jaguars last week. Jaguars are looking very strong. They go up against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. And the Eagles have been a juggernaut this year. It's undoubtable. They've been crushing people. They're great up front. But so is this Jacksonville Jaguar team. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing really, really good football. Sneaky, solid weapons around him with Robinson and Etienne in the backfield. And then you go through Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. They got guys who can make some plays on the outside as well. I think this one stays close. Again, I'm leaning on Chargers minus five. I'm leaning on Jaguars plus six and a half. But I feel better putting those together, getting Chargers money line, Jaguars plus 14 and a half, over two touchdowns uh, for them to not hit this bet. Minus 119, that's my second pick. All right, pick two. My pick two might as well be the Pete Kennedy special because it's a two-leg parlay, and you'll find out why. I know you don't generally do two-leg parlays, but leg one, the Los Angeles Chargers money line. Ah. That's one of the reasons you just laid out. Um, look, another week for uh, Justin Herbert to get a little bit healthier. Keenan Allen should be back for this game, and Austin Eckler is due for a, due for a big game. So I expect the Chargers to to bounce back big time this week. And look, you're playing the Houston Texans. You know, they can make anybody look great. So leg one, Los Angeles Chargers money line. And leg two, the Detroit Lions plus three and a half at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, 
look outside of week one with what Seattle did against Denver, which is now really to be looking like not too much of a uh, impressive feat. Seahawks haven't been great at all. And I've liked what I've seen from the Lions through three weeks. They're home again where they've proven to be tough and I'm getting three and a half here. So even if they do lose the game, I still got three points to spare. Um, DeAndre Swift may not go in this one, but still Jamal Williams playing at a high enough level. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got TJ Hawkinson. And Jared Goff has been doing a, a fine job, in my opinion, so far. So give me the Los Angeles Chargers money line. Combine that with the Detroit Lions. Plus three and a half. A little bit juicier here. Minus 120. Pick number two. Pat, before you go to one thing that you and I forgot to mention and that I didn't mention it and Shen didn't mention it, Rashawn Slater out for the Chargers for the season. That was serious. Uh, we talked about teams that needed saving on the podcast earlier in the week, Pat, and we talked about the Chargers, and that's something that just slipped my mind, even though the news was out at the time. Him being out it could be really detrimental for this team. Thankfully, we don't expect that to show up against the Texans. Obviously, Shen and I both feel similarly on that front, so it is what it is. Chargers money line. Let's go. Pat, pick number two. All right, uh, Pete. Back with an underdog. Am I echoing, by the way? Okay. Back with an underdog. Back with an under. Let's go back to the same game parlay, right? This is something we talked about in the midweek pod. Unders and underdogs. So far, the unders hitting at 63% and underdogs hitting at 62%. Both of those, one of the best in the last 20 seasons, especially when you put them together. So I had the Bears and the under in the first pick. Now I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. Get them up to plus seven and a half. And let's go under 58 and a half in their game against the Bills. That's minus 110. Um, you know, this is another one where I'm feeling spicy enough where I'm going to say that the Ravens win this game. Three-point dogs at home. John Harbaugh, only second or only third, excuse me, to Mike Tomlin and Sean Payton as the most profitable head coaches as an underdog at home in terms of against the spread. But again, I'll take a couple more points. And, I, you know, the reason why I'm going to get this up to the under, even though Lamar Jackson's been balling out, even though the Buffalo Bills have guys banged up on defense, it seems like poor Jordan Poyer's coming back. We know they're without Micah Hyde for the rest of the season, and they still have yet to get Tredavious White back from his injury last year. Um, I just think there's a couple of things at, at, at play here. One, I think 51 is a lot of points to begin with. Um, I, I think both of these defenses are good enough to compete. Buffalo, even without all those guys last week, missing almost their entire secondary, they still held Miami to just 21 points should have won the game. Even in the Miami heat where guys were, you know, guys were getting tired in the second half. Yes. Guys on offense were cramping, but guys on defense were going down too. Uh, we know Buffalo's pass rush is good. They're going to cause Lamar at least a little bit of problems to the point where, you know, I don't think Baltimore is putting up 30, 35 points again, like they did against new England. And then on the flip side with the Buffalo bills offense right now, um, I think John Harbaugh is going to have a plan where they're going to be able to contain Josh Allen enough where once again, they're keeping Buffalo out of the thirties in this one. And on top of that, you throw in the fact that it's supposed to be really cold and crappy all Sunday long in Baltimore, 55 degrees with a 60% chance of rain. Yeah. I like getting the, getting the points up here as well to 58 and a half. Um, you know, look, I think Baltimore is going to factor. They're getting Ronnie Stanley to make his debut full practice Wednesday, full practice Thursday. So Lamar Jackson's left tackle, the guy protecting his blind side is going to make his season debut come Sunday. I'm confident in that. You get another week of a healthy J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, that duo right there not only is getting me as the second highest scoring team in my fantasy league, but it's also going to be a problem for this, this Buffalo Bills linebacking core, which, yes, they're fantastic against the run, 
But I think whoever's going to be tasked with covering Mark Andrews, Buffalo is either going to have to go with a lot of nickel coverages. And again, banged up secondary. They're going to be playing third and fourth string corners out there, or they're going to have some of their linebackers, Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds having to cover Mark Jackson. I think that, uh, excuse me, having to cover Mark Andrews. I think that bodes really well for Baltimore. Um, and again, I think this is a good spot for the same game parlay. I'm going back to it. Ravens plus seven and a half under 58 and a half minus 110 odds. As soon as you said Mark Jackson, I just went straight into Mark Jackson announcer mode. Here's a guy who loves same game parlays. Like he loved <laughs> just doing the whole Mark Jackson thing. With all due respect. <laughs> With all due respect. <laughs> the fake Mark Jackson account on Twitter always wins, always wins. Um, the Ravens Bills game for me, Pat, just, it scared me because I'm so invested as like a Lamar fan. It almost feels like I care about them as much as the Giants sometimes. It, it kind of hurts that I like root. I root for Lamar like that. Um, and I get overwhelmed sometimes trying to break down their big games because they have a really weird track record. It feels like in the past two years of them coming up weirdly short against some good competition and then like playing their absolute ass off against good competition. I, I do love your analysis though. And I, uh, I like the bet a lot. I think it'll be a close game. It should be one of the most fun games of the day. Uh, it, like if you're, if you're going to take one underdog this week, I'm most confident that the Ravens beat the bills at home. I still think Buffalo, like you said, that, uh, like I said, that defense right now, I think is a little suspect uh, without Micah Hyde, without Tredavious white. And especially if Ed Oliver doesn't play again too, that even gives me a little bit more confidence that Baltimore can also get the run game going up the middle where a lot of teams have not had success uh, trying to run the ball and establish the run against Buffalo. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, that, that stuff is all going to be really interesting. Now, if you're on YouTube and you're, if you're listening along, looking at a quick recap, recap of our first two picks, each couple, a uh, couple of teams here across the board, me and Mark, both on the chargers money line, Pat and Mark, both on bears plus seven and a half. And um, Pat's been consistent with the under so far. So that's through two picks. Let me start off now with my third pick. I'm going to go, um, what am I going to go with? I'm going to go, sorry, with a two, a two part teaser here. I'm going to go Denver Broncos plus eight and a half and Falcons plus seven. Right now I'll start with the Falcons in their three games this year. They have a win uh, just last week against the Seahawks, a loss by four against the Rams, a loss by one against the saints. I think this team has more than enough juice to stay with the Browns. You get the seven points. I think they keep it close with the way they can run the ball, just like the Browns. You know, I don't, I don't want to bet the side. I mean, sorry, the total on it by itself, but I think there's going to be a tight game is the main point. You know, it's not going to be a blow away spot for Jacoby Brissett or Mariota to run away and win this game by a bunch. I think the Falcons have a great chance to win this game. I'm thinking about sprinkling the money line, sprinkling the spread, uh, even though it's just plus one for them right now, but getting them to plus seven, I feel fantastic about it. The Browns are not built to blow people out as well on the Broncos front. Against the Raiders, the Raiders are 0-3. I know that they need this game so damn bad, but the Broncos have proved that even with all their shortcomings on offense, even with some of their inabilities to manage the clock late in games, that their defense is very good. They're not giving up a lot of points right now. You get them up to 8.5, and, and I feel wonderful about that. Again, it's one that I would consider taking them at 2.5. I'm going to consider sprinkling the money line, but all in all, plus 8.5, I don't see the Raiders having the ability – to blow someone out yet. They have to prove it. They have to show they can put a complete game together, even if it's against a team that also can't handle the truth and they have to stay out the kitchen late in games. So Broncos plus eight and a half, uh, Falcons plus seven, minus 120, normal teaser. That's my third pick. 
All right. Pick number three here. This is my most confident pick of the week here. Uh, Two-leg parlay. Um, leg one, Philadelphia Eagles money line at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I think Jacksonville is going to get brought back down to earth this week. The Philadelphia Eagles have been a buzzsaw. They've looked better each and every week. I mean, it's you, you guys know how tough it is to blow out a division opponent. Um, and they just absolutely destroyed the commanders last week. I told you Carson Wentz would fold, and sure enough, he did. Um, and just all around, you know, the receivers, the running backs, Jalen Hurts out of his mind, and the defense been fantastic through three weeks. Give me the Eagles to, to keep going. And I just don't think – because I just don't think they're they're going to have a, a flat performance. Did you hear the quote that Jalen Hurts said? I think it was a day or two ago, talking about to the playmakers how we can't be the temperature or we can't feel the temperature. We have to be the thermometer. I mean, I don't know. The quote, I loved it. Give me that I, one more time. Give me that one more time because I have no It was idea. something about – he said to the playmakers, he's like, guys, we can't feel the temperature. We have to be the thermometer. Basically saying we can't go out there and feel it. We got to set the tone. Mm. And I don't know. I love everything going on in Philly right now. So give me the Eagles money line, leg one, leg two. Um, we're going to go Los Angeles Rams plus seven and a half uh, on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, look, generally the 49ers own the Rams in this matchup over the past year and a half to two years. I know not in the playoffs, the Niners blew the double digit lead in the fourth quarter. Rams came all the way back and beat them. But, uh, Seven and a half here with the way that the Niners looked last week. Elijah Mitchell's still out. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to run Jeff Wilson into the ground because he really doesn't have much depth behind him, and he doesn't want to throw Debo Samuel that, that much in the backfield this early in the season. Jeff Wilson had eight to nine carries last week in the first quarter. He ended up with 12 for the game. And he was going off in the first quarter, and they got away with it. They got away from it, and look what happened. The offense completely stalled. Um, you get the Rams here plus seven and a half in a game. I think they're going to win. Look, that's more than enough. They're not losing by that, by that many points in this game. I don't even care if the game's being played in San Francisco. Um, Philadelphia Eagles money line, uh, Los Angeles Rams plus seven and a half minus one ten for pick number three. All right, Pete. Uh, I got a late change here. I, I usually are sending my picks to you in our chat here. Right, right before we start the pod. Yeah, this inspires confidence. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm betting with my head here and not with my heart. Which one? And I'm not going down with the Las Vegas Raiders yet again this week. Oh, man, here we go. I was going to take them plus three and a half in a parlay. But you know what? I can't trust them, man. Can't I can't trust them. them. It seems like it's a miracle that Denver is two and one, right? Considering how terrible they've looked. But then again, if there's one defense for them to get right against, it's the it's the Raiders' defense. And, not, like, if the Raiders' defense is fully healthy, that's one thing. But I have no idea, honestly, who's playing for them right now as we record this on Thursday night when it gets to Sunday. You know, there is questionable tags on Bilal Nichols, Denzel Perriman, Rocky Asin, Trevor Morick, Nate Hobbs. Like, almost the entire secondary is almost a toss-up on whether or not they're going to play. And that's just not something that I want to speculate on. Uh, when we're still a couple of days away. So you know what? The other leg that I feel really confident about that this team's just going to cover straight up, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys, right? I was on Washington last week at home against Philly. I thought they would put together way, way more of an effort, way more of a performance. Carson Wentz looked like dog shit. Um, something's, something's not right with Washington. Maybe it is Carson Wentz, even though they look pretty good for the first couple of weeks. But now this is a horrible matchup for them. Dallas has owned the NFC East in the last couple of years. They've covered seven straight games. 
This is at home. Uh, look, I mean, Jerry Jones, you know, didn't sign a backup quarterback and it looks pretty damn well. It looks actually looks, he looks smarter than everybody else for once, um, you know, in the last 10 years, uh, you know, McCarthy has drawn up a fantastic plan with Cooper Rush. Get the ball out of his hands quick. Don't let him hold on to it. Run the ball, establish the run with Zeke and Tony Pollard. I mean, we've been saying for two years now, Tony Pollard's a better running back, and they're finally giving him the rock basically as much, if not more, than Zeke on a week-to-week basis. So, look, it's – hey, even without Gallup and Noah Brown – or, excuse me, even without Gallup and Dalton Schultz, they were still going just quick routes, let the guys do – you know, get yards after the catch. Noah Brown's been fantastic – C.D. Lamb drops the cookie of a touchdown in the first half and then more than makes up for that in the second half. I do expect Washington to be able to get a little bit more pressure than the Giants were able to get. But we still, without Chase Young, you know, this front four is not what it was going into the season. And I think Dallas is going to be able to have enough time to have a balanced game plan. But where they're going to win this game and where they're going to cover is this defense. You know, they say defense travels. Well, they don't have to travel this week since they're at home. And this pass rush has been absolutely unbelievable. Micah Parsons right now is the best pass rusher in the game this year. Maybe not in totality, but he has surpassed Aaron Donald. He has surpassed Von Miller. He has surpassed the Boses, the Watts. He is getting to the quarterback quicker than anybody else. He is winning all of his, um, you know, pass block, his pass block win rates up almost near 60%. That is far and away the best in the NFL. Uh, And also Demarcus Lawrence has been a beast. Durant's Armstrong is, is chipping in like these guys have dogs all over the field, man. And this secondary, you know, last year, it was either interception or nothing, especially for Trayvon Diggs. This year they have found a happy medium and that they're not going all or nothing and giving up huge chunk plays. They're actually playing a little bit more of a comfortable zone defense. Dan Quinn is dialing it up with the blitzes with the front seven. He can get after the quarterback with just the guys on the line and the linebackers. He doesn't have to bring blitzes from guys in the secondary. And that has allowed this defense to just feast on quarterbacks Washington's offensive line is terrible. Wentz is terrible when blitzed on. He's going to have a rough day, man. So I think the Cowboys keep the good times rolling. I think they cover this game at home. Uh, give me the Cowboys minus three and a half. Couple stats even to back you up there, Pat. Carson Wentz in the last two weeks, over under 10 sacks, you think? In the last three weeks? Two weeks. Last two weeks. Two weeks? Well, I'm pretty sure he got sacked six times last week against the Eagles. There was something right around there, so I'm going to go over. Yes, 14 sacks in two weeks. 14. 14 sacks. And now, now you go up against the Cowboys, who have, what, 14 sacks on the year? So, yeah, not a yeah. good matchup here. Yeah, not very good. Not very good. And then on top of that, as I oh, next to my uh, YouTube page there. Um, but, yeah, if on top of that, you look at the Washington Commanders defense. They're giving up 130 yards per game on the ground. Looks great for Tony Pollard. And like we said uh, earlier in the week, Pat, as a Giants fan, Shen, you could attest to this, seeing Ezekiel Elliott come out to the field versus Tony Pollard was like a relief breath like no other. You know, you saw him come out and say, oh, this one's only going for four, thank God. You know, because Pollard was just ripping first down, first down, first down. It was was a crusher. So love that pick. I I batted that one around really, really quite a bit, to to be honest there. So I'll move on now to my fourth pick where I'm going to go with another teaser here. Same game teaser, not something that I frequent myself here, but I feel really good about this one. I'm going Chiefs plus seven and under 51. Only thing frustrating about this, uh, guys, is that it's seven and 51. Two really important numbers when you come to spread uh, and totals. Seven, obviously, it's a touchdown. 51 is one of the most 
uh, fault upon numbers in all of the NFL uh, for total scores. So you'd like to be 51 and a half on the under or 50 and a half if you're going over, but that's what the, what the money is right now. So Chiefs plus seven, under 51. Do you guys know how many times Patrick Mahomes has lost by more than seven in his career? Not once. He has before. I'm going to say I'm going to say twice. The Super Bowl being one and Well, oh, I didn't count playoffs. Regular season. Oh yeah, I was thinking regular season. Regular right. season, I'll say twice. Four times. Four times. Name him. His entire career has he <laughs> lost by more than 7. It was close. It was a good guess. Only four times and I don't expect this to be another time. Uh the Buccaneers, we talked about some of their issues on the earlier week's pod how the skill guys are just not there right now. Evans obviously coming back is going to help them a little bit. But even with Evans, their offense hasn't been that special. They've been really trickling it down the field, haven't gotten the run game going, haven't gotten the pass game going. Chiefs defense has been very solid. So I, I really like the idea of the Chiefs keeping it close. And then on top of it, the Buccaneers defense has been an absolute strong suit for this team. So that's where I'm going under. I had a good lean on the under. I had a good lean on the Chiefs. And now you combine that thing, you get the Chiefs by a touchdown, or I'm sorry, Chiefs plus a touchdown and under 51. Mahomes doesn't lose by more than seven very frequently. He doesn't lose very frequently. So I really enjoy looking at that plus seven, looking at under 51 and thinking that with the Bucks defense, the Chiefs defense being sneaky good, you like the under. And with Patrick Mahomes being there to go head to head with Tom Brady, keeping that within a touchdown score feels really good to me. Chiefs plus seven, under 51, minus 120. All right. Looks like I'm up. Pick four. Two-leg teaser. Turn into Pat Boyle here. Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half at Heinz Field. They're not calling it that anymore, but honestly, it's so irrelevant. I don't even know what the new name of it is. Um, look, you're taking on the New York Jets this week. Zach Wilson is supposed to make his season debut. I'm expecting some rust, and honestly, it's still the New York Jets. I will fade them until the end of time. And you're getting me and you're getting me three and a half here. So even if the Jets do miraculously somehow win this game as they did week two against the Browns, they only won that game by a point. I've got Pittsburgh plus three and a half. Um, look, Mike Tomlin, regardless of, you know, the talent and the skill level of quarterback, his teams always find a way to keep games close and he's never had a year where they finished below 500. So I expect Pittsburgh to keep this game competitive on Sunday, if not win it. Um, leg two, Pete, I'm going the other way. I'm going with Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus seven and a half points here on Sunday night football. Um, at some point, Tom Brady and this Buccaneers offense is going to break out. Um, and what better than Sunday night football now on the national stage? I expect Mike Evans back for this game. Actually, no kidding. He's going to play. He was he missed last week due to suspension. Um, I expect Julio Jones back for this game. Um, Chris Godwin's still questionable with the hamstring. Um, look, the, the Chiefs, you know, last week, I don't know what that was. They cut Matt Amendola, thank God, because he blew up part of my perfect week last week. Um, they were losing that game to the Chargers until Herbert threw that pick six down the stretch on the on the goal line. Um, I don't know. I, there's just something about them where I'm not fully ready to commit to to thinking they're the uh, the full blown juggernaut where you can just blindly back them no matter what. Um, you give me Tampa Bay plus seven and a half here, especially with the way uh, the last time these two teams met. Um, I know the Chiefs won the regular season early regular season matchup earlier in that season, but hey, Tyreek Hill was still on that team and he had like 250 yards in the first quarter. Tyreek Hill no longer plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, then the Bucks defense. They've been reliable, so I'm going to back them again to keep this game close, if not win. Pittsburgh plus three and a half, Tampa Bay plus seven and a half, minus 120, pick four. 
All right, I'm going to follow that up with a uh, two-leg tease parlay as well. And let's go Cardinals plus seven and a half and the Packers minus three and a half, minus 111 odds. Let's start with the Cardinals, right? I don't know why Matt Rule is favored. He should not be a favorite. I'm starting to think more and more he'll be lucky to hold on to his job by Thanksgiving, uh, maybe even by Halloween. He is three and 10 against the spread as a favorite as a head coach in the NFL. Meanwhile, I know we like to hammer Kingsbury. If there's a spot where you want to back Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray as the Cardinals, as a road underdog, 14-2 against the spread. Those are incredible numbers. So you put those two together. I just don't think, just like the Giants are not good enough to blow anybody out, I don't think the Carolina Panthers are good enough to blow anybody out. Technically, they blew out the New Orleans Saints last week. Uh, Jameis Winston in that offense has a ton of problems right now. And I know right now for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they kind of like you have a sour taste in your mouth about them. You feel like uh, they should be 0-3. Uh, they should have lost that game against the the Vegas Raiders, and they you don't feel like they're that good right now, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but James Conner is most likely going to play on Sunday. That gives you a boost. Um, you know, I, I don't expect a whole lot in terms of Kyler Murray throwing for 300 yards, but if there is a defense, uh, a secondary where you feel like he could do it, it's against Carolina, where as long as he has enough protection, and again, even when he's going to be on the move, you know, you feel like he can make something happen. Uh, but more so, this is for me against the, uh, you know, with the Carolina offense not being able to put up a lot of points. I love my guy Baker, but he has been terrible so far this year. I mean, he has been downright awful. He has gone under 50% completion percentage for the last two weeks. His quarterback efficiency uh, when he's in the pocket, I, I think was, I think I saw a stat. He is 33rd amongst 34 quarterbacks right now. He is not having a good year. And you think with the weapons he has, with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, that he is at least, you know, going to be able to put up some kind of numbers. He does not have that chemistry with them right now. They have barely any yardage through the air. And on top of that, the number one weapon, one of the top weapons in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey, did not practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. Even if he plays, it seems apparent he is not 100%. So I don't know how Carolina puts up more than 20 points in this game. Um, I think the Cardinals win, but I'll take the insurance. Give me Arizona plus seven and a half. And then really quickly here, if Green Bay can't win this game, um, if they, if, it'd be surprising me if they don't cover the spread against Brian Horner and the New England Patriots. I was going to give a minus five and a half, uh, but it was like plus one ten odds. So I was like, you know what? I might as well get this close to the normal even odds, big betting spread here, um, which was three and a half. So I'll do that for sure. I'll get it minus three and a half with the Packers. They're going to be able to run the ball, which they have been. They're going to be able to uh, stop any kind of aerial attack that Mac Jones, excuse me, that Brian Hoyer and the Patriots are going to try to assemble. The only way that the Patriots uh, keep this game close is if they can run for 200 yards on the ground, right? Green Bay's a little bit weak against the run. Um, <laughs> Brian Hoyer might not throw the ball more than 15 times on Sunday. Even then, Green Bay should win this. They're at home. And for all the crappy weather we're getting this weekend, Lambeau Field, it's going to be basically 70 degrees and sunny. So that should, you know, you would think that helps out the favorite, the favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, I think the Packers win this game close to the spread. Uh, but again, Packers minus three and a half, Cardinals plus seven and a half, minus 111. How does it lose? How does it lose? We ask ourselves that every week, and, and undoubtedly one of those picks loses. But Yeah, well, let me tell you, because my next pick and my final pick, Pat, is Carolina Panthers minus one and a half straight up against the Arizona Cardinals. And this one's a mixture bet. I'm a little concerned that 87% of the money and the tickets are on the old Cardinals. 
right? So tell me if this makes sense to you. This line apparently opened up at plus two and a half for the Panthers. The Panthers were underdogs when this first opened up, according to pregame.com here. Now it's moved down to minus one, minus one and a half, depends where you look at it. And I'm still seeing here that 87% of the tickets and the cash, so it's pretty even, right? There's no big money in either direction uh, that's uh, swaying this thing. But it's all on the Cardinals right now because it's scary to go against Kyler in this spot against a team like the Panthers that isn't one of these teams that lights a a, a fear of, of anything in anybody's eyes uh, for their opponents, but they are a solid team. Their defense has been very strong, and I got to read off some statistics for you here. Yards per play, worst in the league with 6.7 yards per play is the Arizona Cardinals defense right now. If there's any way for Baker Mayfield to get off the schneid and throw for 250-plus yards, have one of those good games for DJ Moore, who fantasy owners are waiting to have a big game, to go crazy and have one of those 120-yard reception uh, receiving yards games, it's now. It's time for the Panthers to do so. McCaffrey is expected to play, though I know he is banged up. I think about it more like the Panthers need McCaffrey. They're a so much better team with him. If he even had remotely sore, you know, let him rest. Get him right for Sunday. Don't worry about Wednesday and Thursday. He'll be fine. He's run for 100 yards two games in a row. The Cardinals give it up on the ground, too. Their defense has been really bad this year. They kind of just played Ben, but don't break against the Raiders somehow came back. I think the Cardinals defense, I'm sorry, the Panthers defense is decently solid here and has a chance to make Kyler's life a little bit more difficult. The receivers for Arizona still a little bit all over the place. A lot of Hollywood Brown last week, a lot of Greg Dorch this week, uh, last week as well. I'm not trusting those guys to be super consistent and, and big time playmakers. So with some reluctance, because it's scary to go against Kyler in this situation when he's clearly the best quarterback in this matchup, but the numbers, the defense for the Cardinals and my trust in the Panthers going into this season are allowing me to still move forward with this pick Panthers minus one and a half at home against the Cardinals. That's my final pick. And I can't lie. It makes me a little bit nervous. It does, but you got to ride. You got to trust the gut and trust what I'm looking at on these screens here. All right. Pick five. There's no wavering in this pick for me. Fully confident, even though it's my last pick, and it's a doozy. There's four legs to this. It's part same game parlay, part money line. Okay. But I've looked at it. I've watched 3,000 hours of film, and I truly believe that there is no way this pick can lose, barring injury. All right. Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, same game parlay. Lamar Jackson, he's thrown 10 touchdown passes on the season. We need one, one passing TD out of Lamar for the first leg. Leg two, Lamar Jackson, he's throwing for 250 yards a game. He needs 170 in this game against the Buffalo Bills. And, hey, as you guys pointed out, the strength of the Buffalo Bills defense right now is the run. Very tough to run against, easier to throw against right now with that secondary being banged up. So 170 yards out of Lamar there. And then the Buffalo Bills to score over 16.5 points. The Buffalo Bills have one of the best offenses in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens on defense, I haven't been impressed with them. They gave up 42 points to Miami. They gave up 26 points last week to the New England Patriots. And you're telling me the Buffalo Bills aren't going to score at least two touchdowns and a field goal in this game with the way that these two offenses have been playing so far? There's no chance. And then finally, the money line parlay. As Pat pointed out, he's taking Green Bay minus three and a half. I just need Green Bay to win the game up at Lambeau against who? Brian freaking Hoyer? I don't care. I don't even care if it's Mac Jones. There's no version, no way, no how New England wins this game up in Green Bay. 
No chance. So the first three, which I'm not going to get into again because it's that long. And then the Green Bay Packers money line. What do you guys think the odds are on this? Oh, my God. Plus Minus 105. Plus 105. Minus, minus 115. Minus 115. That's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, who's blowing me up? What a doozy. What a doozy. Hold on. Can we just go back? <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up putting this together. I'll run through it again for you guys. Wait, 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 wait. Before sometimes you, before you run through it. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. I would say sometimes I take some wonky same game parlays <laughs> and Mark makes fun of me. I'm returning the favor here, Mark. Are you sure you don't need the Gatorade cooler to be red and you don't need um, John Harbaugh to have two timeouts remaining at the end of the first half? <laughs> two-minute warning? I mean, I'm, I think – I don't care who wins the coin toss. You could throw that in there. You could throw it how many challenges will be thrown in, in this game. I don't care. There's no way this loses. Get this on tape, roll it out for next week, and save it. There's no way. Can, oh, this is going to be this is going to be your social breakout video, 100%. As soon as you said I broke down 3,000 hours of film, I lost it, and I'm, I'm here for this pick. I just want to know your process. Where where did you start? And, I, like, did you go in order? Like, where did you start, and how did you end up with pulling the Packers' money line into this? So it came down to the fifth pick for me. I had the first four all settled and done. And I hadn't touched the Green Bay Packers game at all, and I knew that I wanted them money line at some point or with the spread in, in some sort of way. Um. They were minus 450 when I was looking at this, but then when I was checking it again today, they came down to minus 435. I was like, okay, that's interesting. That helps me out in a way. I can get things down that I had at minus 130 the day before, maybe down a little bit more. Um, and I didn't have any action on this Buffalo Ravens game, which I expected there to be a ton of same-game parlay with much more boosted stats than what I chose. I'm expecting to see like, you know, Josh Allen, three touchdowns, Lamar combined three total touchdowns, stuff with Diggs's receiving yards and, and all that, because I expect a ton of points in that game and a lot of offense. Um, and then, you know, you further break it down. And the, like I said, the strength of the bills defense is, is the run game. The secondary's kind of banged up right now. Michael Hyde's out for the year. Tredavious White's not back. Um, Lamar Jackson's thrown for 10 touchdowns. We need one. Just one. You're telling me Lamar is not going to throw for one touchdown in this game? And then 170 pass yards? I mean, come on. He's averaging 250. 170 should be easy money, especially in this battle between, you know, early MVP odds favorites here between Allen and Jackson. Um, and then with the way the, the Buffalo Bills can score the football, they've, they've gone over 17 points all three weeks so far. And I expect the bounce back spot where they only scored 19 Last week, they struggled a little bit in the red zone. Bat, uh, base missed some field goals. I definitely think the Bills cracked 20 this week, especially after what Tua, Tua was able to hang 42 on them. And look, you know I love Tua, but I love Josh Allen just a little bit more in that offense. 17 points. That should be a breeze. Come on. And then, like I said, Aaron Rodgers really going to lose to Brian Hoyer? No way. No yeah, way. I, I, no how. <laughs> it, it's not happening. I have no issues with any of your legs. I, I mean, you're right. How does this lose? I'll and that's you. what I said. I looked at it and I was like, minus 115. It honestly makes me think that I need to explore things like this a little bit more going forward. So we're rolling it out. We're going to see how it works. I, I got to be honest. I also, I dabble with, with same game parlays like this. Like I'll throw in a couple like this on Sundays or whatever day that Thursday night, Monday night, whatever. And I'll keep it usually in one game and I'll take the receivers and running backs. So I think you're going to go well. I'll take their lowest number on alt yards and go over on that. I'll take the whatever team I like plus seven and a half, you know, 
I'll, I'll do some of that same stuff. So I know it, it can work. It, it can work. This is how you lose this bet. Ready? I think it's injury. No, no, no. This is how you lose. Lamar Jackson runs for three touchdowns. <laughs> I still think they're going to need more than 21 points, though. No, yeah, no, you're right. And I think they will score more than 21. He but runs for I hear what you're saying. And then he jet sweeps one handoff to Devin Duvernay. It's not a, it's not a pop pass. It's a handoff. Maybe J.K. Dobbins gets in for one. They're dying to get him, get his feet wet, and they just get five rushing touchdowns. On you know what, man? If if he throws ten through the first three weeks and then throws up a zero, I mean, look, I guess it can happen, but yeah, the odds for what you're getting at here, where it's pretty much even money, where you just need him to throw one, he's thrown ten so far. I mean, it's I don't see how it doesn't happen. It's wonderful, Pat. How do you? And they're home. How do on you top of it, they're home. That is uh that is off the charts. It really is actually. I love that so much. And uh I hope it hits because if it hits, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you are. So Pat, how do you I don't know how the hell you back that up, but what do you have after that, you know, nineteen same game mixer parlay teaser? I just I feel bad for you having to type that into the graphic. <laughs> how is that gonna look? You know you know what it is? That's punishment for the pot shots Tuesday. It's uh it's a. Uh, it's really small. I'll show it. I'll pull it up on YouTube right now. It's really small. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> We're going to have to zoom in a little bit to right. uh, find that one. Last one for me. Uh, I'm going to follow up Mark's nine legs with just Rams plus one and a half. Right? I think the tide turns in this rivalry. I think this is the, the, the game that McVay and the Rams finally figure out Shanahan and the 49ers. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, guys that are missing in this game. Right? So for San Francisco, I mentioned – Pete in the midweek pod, Elijah Mitchell not playing. The, you know that kind of hurts what what Shanahan and the Niners want to do, and that's the the jet sweeps, the end arounds, the violent running against this Rams defense, being able to beat them outside to the edges. Uh, you know, with Jeff Wilson, sure, you know he's not as good of a running back as Elijah Mitchell, still pretty complimentary. Uh, but I think they are. I don't think they're just going to give the rock to Debo Samuel nine, 10 times on the ground and say, here you go, run wild. It's week four. I don't think they want to risk getting him hurt uh, when there's a long season ahead. If these teams are playing with postseason stakes on the line, then it's a lot different. We've seen that. Um, and then another thing, you know, again, I said it earlier in the week, one of the most valuable players in football is the 49ers left tackle Trent Williams. He is out. Not only does that hurt Garoppolo trusting his blind side. Now Colton McKivitz is his left tackle. Uh, so I think that opens up the pass rush. That opens up the floodgates for the Rams, for Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner and Sean Robinson to get after the quarterback, to get after Garoppolo. But it also hurts their ability to run the ball on the left side. So I think the 49ers offense, which has struggled to begin with, only put up 10 points against Denver, um, only put up 10 points back in week one with Trey Lance. Um, you know, granted, that game was in a monsoon. But even, even last week, Garoppolo and his 49ers offense, they haven't been firing on all cylinders outside of one half against the Seattle Seahawks. So, and I think that the Rams have bounced back very, very nicely since that week one debacle against Buffalo. They're blowing out Atlanta, took their, you know, feet off the, the gas pedal, let them back in it. And then for the most part, they controlled that game against Arizona from start to finish. They didn't dominate. You haven't seen really dominant performances for a full 60 minutes from the Rams. But I don't think you need to see a dominant performance. I think this offense can operate right now. I think they've got a really balanced attack with Akers getting back in the mix with Daryl Henderson. Um, you know, we know what Stafford can do in the passing game with Cup. He's also got Allen Robinson, who has been stepping up big time. Uh, I want to see them get Higby more involved. But Ben Skoranek, my guy from Notre Dame, they're using him in the slot. He, you know, he's chipping in with some good crossing routes to help them out as well. 
Um, and, you know, again, plus one and a half. I think the Rams win this game. Obviously, uh, if they lose by a point, then you, then you get a tremendous cover in that one. But I think, again, I think McVay turns the tide against Shanahan here in this one. I think the Rams come out victorious. So give me, give me L.A. plus one and a half. There you go. Love it, Pat. I love it. I want to hear your, uh, your take now going through your five picks here. You have two straights and do I, do I have that right? Yeah. I have two straights for you there and uh, a couple teasers only and two same game teasers. You feeling good about the spread right now about the mix? Yeah. Yeah. I think I got a good mix. I feel like I wasn't reaching for anything. I feel like I had a clear vision of what I wanted, what I thought was going to happen in terms of results um, you know, what I thought had a, a really, really good chances of hitting and I went with it. So, yeah, I found this, I found this week a little bit difficult to be quite honest. I found the slate a little challenging to find a bunch of straight bets that I really liked the one where I'm going to really kick myself. You guys both have uh, action on the Cowboys. I was so close to making Cowboys minus three and a half. My final pick. I really wanted to, I was looking at, um, all the numbers that sat. That's why I had those sack numbers ready and, and the rushing numbers ready. Um, against the commanders because I really think there's a chance for for the Cowboys to come out and just dominate defensively and do just enough on offense. The only thing that gave me pause is that they didn't blow away the Giants, who are a bad team as well. They didn't blow away. Um, I'm losing my my uh, thought on who they played the week prior, but they they just won that one by three points as well. So with this, the only thing that held me back with the Cowboys was the offense just doing enough to squeak it out and the defense winning the game and not covering three and a half. But I'm going to kick myself if Kyler Murray goes bonkers and all of a sudden the Cowboys dominate the commanders and win by a touchdown or so. That, that, that's my big, uh, my big question mark. But I found it difficult to find a bunch of straight bets that I really liked, and that's why I leaned on the teaser a little bit this week. Uh, but I'm feeling okay. Shen, how you feeling? Oh, you know, I said I felt fantastic last week and I was feeling 5-0. and oh. And if it wasn't for a couple field goals from under 40 yards missed, we would have been 5-0 and we'd be over 500. Um, but, Pete, this is the week that the, uh, the fighting Shinlugians get back over the 500 mark and start to set a pace, which is a quote that will go down in Pat Boyle folklore for the backstory on that quote. What but, that? Uh, What's the backstory there? I need to hear it now. You don't. You don't. <laughs> Something to do with MLB the show. It's it's so stupid. Pete, it's a long winding tale that ends in the the uh, dem- the rise and demise of the Pat Boyle led Boston Red Sox and MLB the show seventeen. Oh wow! But, uh, Throwback. Did you like the uh, the Clyde Frazier little uh, phrase there? I like the inflection there. That was very I, well done. I put a lot into that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're feeling great. And we're going to get back over 500. I, I can feel it. There's plenty of weeks left. you got more data on the teams now. Um, first couple of weeks, look, they can set you up for a historically great season where it's like you know where everything's going on after the first couple of weeks and you already have that buffer zone. Or this is when you start to uh, you start to hit back big time from some of the early uh, rough beats. So yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about this week. And frankly, Shen, if you miss on your first four picks, it doesn't even matter. If you hit the last one, that's worth three in my eyes just because of the ridiculousness of uh, – <laughs> of that same game parlay mixed teaser, whatever the hell it is. I love it. It's going to hit. It's going to absolutely It's hit. my second most confident, to be honest with you. Most confident is pick three that I gave Eagles and the, and the Rams, and the Rams won. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. All right, there we go. 
week four picks in the books. We're ready for another winning week. We went nine and no, sorry, that is not math. What did we do combined last week? Let's see, I got it. Here nine and six. Nine and six. Nine and six. Oh, I was correct. How about you that? Good. Nine and six combined last week. We're going to try and top that. Let's go ten and five this week, boys. We're trickling up the standings. Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, Mark Shanlugan, PBS in the house. Any last words from you guys before we say goodbye? None. All right. Shout out to the guy who didn't catch Aaron Judge's 61st home run. Uh, you know, I got one. Happy trails to Matt Amendola. I never want to see you again. <laughs> there we go. All right. Everybody have a great week four. Should be another awesome week of NFL football. Enjoy yourself. Pace yourself. A lot of season left for these bets to be made. That will be here all year long to help you make those decisions. For Mark Shen Lugan, for Pat Boyle, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Subway Sports Talk. Cheers.